I always go back to this, David. If you don't do the math of what you're actually going to pay, whatever financial decision you make, you have to look both at the short-term benefit, but also at the long-term. Right, uh, you know, the long-term cost. Yeah, because yeah, if you don't look at it, you can say, well, I am lowering my payment and I can manage it better. True, but if you're extending another five years, you may be paying thousands of dollars more from making that decision. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts. I'm David Thompson here with Leo Sabo. And in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to talk about paying off student loans. And we know that student loans can keep you or even delay you from many things. There's a lot of young people that want to do uh, a lot of cool things right after graduation and having a ton of student loans can delay that, can pull it back. And so we discussed some of these things in episode 78 and 79. And we talked about why it's so important to pay off your loans as quickly as possible. And so Leo, why don't you just share a little bit more of what we're going to look at today? Yeah. So one of the most important parts of starting out right is, especially as a young person, looking at starting your life, getting married, all those things is to have a solid financial plan in place, right? Is to eliminate some of the things that prevent you, like we said in the last two episodes, from really getting started and moving forward in a positive way. So as most people know, most graduates will need to start making payments about six months after they graduate, right? Those student loans come due six months after you've stopped going to school. And that was kind of a shock to me because I thought, whoa, uh, now I have to make this payment, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right. And, and I hadn't started my career. I didn't have a job yet uh, in the field that I had studied. So it's like now I have to start making payments, but I don't quite have the money to make those payments. So it was really tough to to stick to making these payments and working several jobs to do so. But that's why it's so important to really focus on getting these things da- paid down as soon as possible. Yeah, and to know what you're walking into. I mean, it's tempting to try to make those payments as low as possible mm-hmm. so you can do other things. Uh, but you don't want to forget that if you choose to slow down your payments and you know pay as little as possible, then you're going to pay a lot more interest over a lot longer period of time. The lower your monthly payments, the more interest you're going to pay, the longer you're going to have this debt, and it really adds up. This is something, Leo, that you kind of touched on just when you said, I had to work multiple jobs. I wasn't quite in my career yet. Mm -hmm. And even if you are, let's say you get a starting position in your career, but that starting salary is not always stellar. It's right. usually a period of time where you're proving your worth to the company yep. and you come into that career. And honestly, they're almost gambling by hiring you. They're, they're betting on you that you will be able to provide more benefit to the company than you cost the company. Right. And so they're going to start you out with a lower salary because honestly, for about the first year of being in any career, this is what I've seen. Mm-hmm the first year you are learning how to do the job. And it's not until the second year that you really start to add a lot of benefit to that company. And then the third year, you really start to provide a lot of increase to the company and four, five, six years in, then you can start to really push for salary increases. Uh, It's not the exact same for everybody, but I've noticed that. I remember the first year that I worked for a company, I just, I felt so uh, blessed that I had the job yeah. and I knew I was learning so much about the industry, about mm-hmm. the profession, about how to serve the company well. And I remember thinking, 
I, I can't ask for any kind of increase after this first year because really I spent a year of on-the-job learning. And right. I did provide some benefit to the company, but at the same time, I was learning more than I was benefiting the company. And so that happens a lot. And oh, so yeah. if you're... Almost in every field, I Almost think. in every field. So yeah. if you're starting out and you're thinking, I, did, I deserve a super high salary and, you know, it can be very difficult. You, you may have to pick up an extra job, just right. like you said, Leo, that while you're learning your career... You're also working a little extra to knock out these student loans. And that's kind of the deal you made by taking on the student loans. Yeah, you're right, David. I mean, what you don't want to do is put off focusing on these student loans because you're not making what you think you should be making right off the bat. Right. You know, it's not a good excuse because what's important is to start knocking these things out as soon as possible so that when your income does finally catch up to what your profession is supposed to pay you because again there's going to be a year to two years of you paying your dues everybody does right everybody right. pays their dues i was a junior mechanic when i hired in with american for over a year before i actually started making some decent money yeah so even though i had a better income than the minimum wage i was making from the couple of jobs i had before i got hired into my profession I still had to pay my dues for over a year before I jumped into the higher pay and the more experience and the better shifts and all those things. So it is part of the journey. Uh, it's just have to understand that that's part of it. The company's taking a gamble on hiring you. They're going to spend a lot of money training you. Yes. And then eventually you're going to be the kind of employee that is going to benefit them and that's going to also benefit you. Yeah. But in the meantime, you can't say, well, that's going to take me three to four years. And I'm just going to put off student loans until right, you can't right. do you that. Can't do that because in three and four years you can make a huge dent in those student loans right. just by doing some of the things we're going to cover today. Yeah. So the number one thing that you've got to start if we're talking about eliminating your student loans is you have to know the details mm -hmm. about each loan. Yeah. Uh, you've got to start by building a strategy to pay down each debt. And so if you're unsure of how many loans you have, mm -hmm. which I know that sounds funny. Like the first time I heard that, I talked to someone like, how many loans do you have? Well, I don't know, two, three, five, six. Yeah. They had no idea. And it sounded funny to me at first, but then I realized the way the system is set up mm -hmm. is that every year you may take out two additional loans and right. not even realize that they're separate loans because one year you may take out a loan uh, for that year, but then the or next for year- semester. Per, per semester. Exactly. per semester. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, multiple loans. So- bunched up together sometimes. Yeah. So it's possible to have literally over four years, it's possible to have eight different loans mm -hmm. uh, with eight different interest rates. Right. And so so if you don't know how many loans you have, start by going to the National Student Loan Data System. Uh, so you can Google it, National Student Loan Data System. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but go there and they'll give you info on your federal student loans. Right, right. But you also might have some private student loans. Mm -hmm. So you're also going to want to check your credit report. And we've talked about how you can go to annualcreditreport.com right. and get a free download of your annual of your current credit report. And all of your loans are tracked on your credit report. And so collect this information, either from the National Student Loan Data System or from your credit report, and make a list. If, if you have eight student loans, write down, I have eight student loans mm -hmm. and list the name of each one. And then this is the info you're looking for. You're looking for the type of loan, whether it's a federal or a private loan. So mm -hmm. you can put a little uh, F or a P right beside the name of that loan. Uh, if it's a fixed rate or a variable rate, and is this something that for the next 10 years, it's going to have the same rate or every year, is it going to go up 1% or mm -hmm. half a percent? Right. That's great to know. So you can knock out the, the ones with the highest interest rate first or the most risk of going up over time. Uh, you need to know the balance. You need to know the interest rate itself. 
and then the length, the term length for the loan. Is this is this set to be a five-year loan, a 10-year loan, a 20-year loan? Uh, some loans, I've seen people that have carried them over 30 years, right. um, which to me, we don't want that for you. No, absolutely <laughs> we, not. We love you, listeners. We love you, and we don't want you stuck with a loan for your life. We want you to. We want you to go aggressively attack this thing, um, and then the total due with interest. This is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Not just the the balance, but how much you're going to pay over ten years if you let it play out for ten years. You know, your yeah. balance may be ten grand, but you may end up paying eighteen thousand over the next ten years. So you need to know how much am I going to pay over the course of this loan, and then the grace period. Do I have six months to start paying on it? Do I have a year to start paying on it? But if I wait that year, how much more interest accrues? You need to be a responsible borrower. So let me just say, uh, the type of loan, whether it's fixed or variable, the balance, the interest rate itself, what number is it? 5%, 3%, the term length, the total due, and the grace period. You need to grab all that information and have it in one place. It can be on a piece of paper uh, or it can be in an Excel sheet, but you need to write these things down. Yeah. I also think in a debt snowball, you're going to have to enter a lot of this information. So if you're going to create a debt snowball, especially if you have multiple loans and you stick with those original loans, you don't do a consolidation or anything like that, then it's good to have them in a debt snowball because then you have that information. You know how long it's going to take you to pay it off, what your interest is going to be long term. And then if you do make extra payments, you can see how much you can save both in time and in interest. So perfect place to put it is in a debt snowball but definitely have a list of this debt and keep track of it. The second thing to know is the pros and cons of refinancing or consolidating student loans to lower your monthly payments. This is something that everybody wants to do, especially when you first start out. I mentioned this in a previous episode that when I started paying my student loan six months after I graduated, the payment was somewhere on $128. Wow. And that was a lot of money for me back then, working a couple of part-time jobs. Absolutely. And I was really hoping that they were going to give me, just automatically say, well, you know, you're a new student, just graduated, let's make it 50 bucks a month. (laughs) Right, right. I didn't take the initiative because I just honestly didn't know any better that I should have pursued that. And in a way, I'm glad I didn't because once the payment came, I just kind of swallowed hard and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pay this thing off. Yeah. But if you do have multiple loans and you're thinking about refinancing, especially if you have variable loans, you know, variable interest loans, and you want to make sure that you can manage that better by setting it into a fixed loan that's a fixed interest rate, then just have to understand what the consequences, both the pros and the cons of making those decisions. Many people think about consolidating or refinancing the high interest student loans. Refinancing can help you lower your monthly payments, but can also increase the term length and the interest rate. So you got to be careful that you're really doing the math. I always go back to this, David. If you don't do the math of what you're actually going to pay, whatever financial decision you make, you have to look at both at the short-term benefit, but also at the long-term. Right, uh, you know, the long-term it, cost. Yeah, because yeah, if you don't look at it, you can say, well, I am lowering my payment and I can manage it better. True, but if you're extending it another five years, you may be paying thousands of dollars more from making that decision. Right, yeah, I don't recommend doing a consolidation unless the terms are more beneficial than what you're currently in. And for me, that would be actually lowering your interest rate. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen people that have had 7 and 8% interest rates on their student loans, Mm -hmm. but they were able to refinance down to a 5%, and they maintained the same length of the loan. Uh, They didn't, didn't, you know, they hadn't maybe paid three years off on a 10-year loan, and they only had seven years left, but then they refinanced and started a new 10-year loan. No. 
no, no, no. They they maintained the seven year length. They just lowered the amount they not the amount they pay every month even. Mm-hmm. They just lowered the interest. The interest. Yeah. And so then every dollar that they pay goes towards the principal. More dollars go towards the principal and it more quickly knocks out the debt. Right. So don't be conned mm-hmm. by the debt con solidation. <laughs> yeah. And that's the tricky part because it'll feel really nice if you mm-hmm. go from just like you said, Leo, let's say you've got a, a payment of four hundred bucks a month. Yeah. But you're able to lower it to three hundred dollars a month and it feels really good in that moment, but it extends your loan out by another three, four, five years. Yeah. You don't want that. That's no, that's no. gonna cause you to pay a lot more interest and it's gonna cause this loan to be in your life a lot longer. We don't want you to have this loan for the next 20 years. We want this thing knocked out quick and we want you to have the freedom. Uh, that's the tag in the name of this show is to be freed up to pursue your true life's purpose. Yep. And when you're weighed exactly. down by these student loans and if you lengthen that through consolidation, it might be a bad thing. Consolidation is not always a bad thing, but you have to know the pros and cons. Right. You also have to look at the federal borrow benefits that you have. You know, don't make sure you're not losing your grace period the Perkins loan forgiveness, if that's an option, or federal loan protection. So just make sure you understand what you're giving up, but also what you're gaining by making that decision. That's right. So the third thing that you've got to do is pay more than Mm. the minimum required payment. Absolutely. We are going to encourage you to do this all day long. Always take on more than the minimum. Always attack this debt aggressively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at your budget and see what you can reallocate. Uh, this is the time to really get aggressive and move things around in your budget. Yep. I lived at home for a year after graduating so I could pay off my student loans. And I think I paid my parents like 100 or $200 a month in rent as a thank you for letting me stay at the house. Mm-hmm. But that's much cheaper than $800 a month. You plus, know, utilities, thousand, plus, plus utilities. Plus yeah, utilities, right. And you know, living at home, I got to eat some free meals too. So uh, that was a sacrifice though, is I chose to live at home when I could have gone and gotten an apartment and lived out on my own. Um, I remember that when Ashley and I, this was while we were dating, I talked to her and I said, how much do you have in student loans? Found out it was around Mm $24,000. So I stayed at home another year and began saving to aggressively attack those debts because I knew we were going to get married at that point. Like we were engaged, we had this great relationship. And so I chose to sacrifice in one area to intentionally aggressively attack the debt. Yeah, love that. That's what we're talking about. It's time for you to make that decision. Maybe you're not able to live with your family anymore, but that means you get two or three people into an apartment and you've got some roommates and it causes your expenses to be way lower so you can attack this debt. Maybe you, if you're married, you go down to one car for six months and you only, you share a ride. And so you have less gas, less insurance, uh, you know, less that you're doing, traveling around, whatever it is, it's time to sacrifice a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just looking at your budget is really important, but what if you don't have a budget? Well, this is really important that you start building a financial plan, a budget for your life. So listen to Getting Money Right episodes two and three, where we talk about creating a budget. And then six through nine, we really break down the categories of the budget so that you know not only what you need to be spending money on, but how much is an adequate amount to spend in these different areas. So there's a lot of information on episodes. We really encourage you to go there. And so if you don't have a budget, make sure that you build one so that you can take advantage of moving enough money to your debt to really tackle these uh, student loans. That's also, right. also paying more than the minimum payments will help you decrease the amount of interest, as we talked about before, and also the time. So it's really important that you really focus on making this a priority. It is the biggest 
goal that you have. It's just eliminating this debt. It really should be early on. And then make sure that any extra payments are designated to pay down the principal part of your loan. So if you're making those extra payments, you don't want the lender to apply the extra payments toward a future credit. You want the balance to drop every time you make an extra payment. That's right. So the fourth thing that you're going to need to do is to stay motivated by staying focused on your progress, mm -hmm. actually having some visuals that cause you to get excited about knocking this debt out. Yep. Uh, for Ashley and I, it would be to have a debt snowball mm -hmm. and we would go through every month and look at how much less we have to pay on our total debt yep. uh, to, to knock out a card and then to celebrate that, to knock out a car payment and to celebrate that, to knock out a student loan, to celebrate that. Uh, I think that one of the best ways to do it, I, I was coaching with somebody and working with them and they had created uh, basically a huge piece of graph paper mm -hmm. that had a bunch of tiny boxes on it and each box was $50 of debt that they had paid off. Yeah. And so every time they would pay off $50 of debt, they would put a huge X through one of those boxes. Nice. And they had created this little outline of how many boxes they would need to pay off for each of their debts. And so as soon as their car was paid off, they had this giant X going through all of those payments that they had made. But think about that. Every time that they paid, let's say they paid $100 towards their loan, they got to cross off two Xs and right. they could see physically the progress that they were making. And it was just a really cool visual. You can do it on little graph paper, but you could buy a big piece of graph paper, blow it up, put it on your fridge, get a big Sharpie and put a huge X every time you knock out 50 bucks of debt, 100 bucks of debt, whatever it is in your situation and get aggressive and see the progress you're making. That visual stimulus will cause you to say, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. This matters in my life. And I'm going to go celebrate when I'm done with each one of these debts. I'm going to knock it out, celebrate that win and really say, okay, this is important to me. Yeah, I mean, I think the visual is what helps you to stay motivated, is that you're actually seeing progress. And you have to understand when you have a large student loan amount, multiple loans and a large number, if you're talking 20, 30, some people have as much as $200,000 worth of student loans. And it may seem like you're never going to pay that off, even though you're consistently making payments. So it's so important to have that visual to help you to be and stay motivated as you're doing this. Number five is make bi-weekly payments or pay extra payments as often as you can. By making more payments, your principal balance will go down faster, saving you both time and money that you pay on interest. So making bi-weekly payments decreases your interest because the principal balance is reduced every time you make a payment and you pay less interest over the life of the loan. Now, another thing that you can do is apply every tax refund, every raise, and every bonus that you may get to pay down the student loans. See, most people waste their tax refunds because they have no plan for it. When they get a bonus, they just think, hey, extra money, let's see what I can buy. And there's always something that you're going to think you must have when that extra money comes in. Yeah. So make sure you designate it before it comes. Yeah, I love that. Anytime you get a bonus or uh, an unexpected increase, maybe um, a grandparent sends you some money or uh, there's just something that you didn't expect coming in, apply this towards your student loan. Mm -hmm. That is your focus here. And, and of course, we're going to say do the debt snowball. And so maybe your student loan isn't the first thing you focus on. Maybe it's a credit card payment. Maybe it's a car payment. But put it towards knocking this debt out, getting debt out of your life, right. and then continue moving forward. And so make a plan. Maybe maybe let's say your tax refund comes in and you're going to enjoy 10% of it, but 90% of it is going to go towards the yeah. loan. A majority should go toward paying yes. down those loans because you set that goal. And yes. that's really important. We talked about goals in a previous episode, whereas if you have a goal in place, 
then when these things happen, you're, you're automatically thinking, what do I do with this extra money? I have a budget. It tells me how to spend my money in every other area. This is extra. What do yes. I do with it? Yes. Well, you've already talked about it. You've already set a goal and said, any extra money is going to go to this student loan debt or to the debt snowball. So it's really important that you set that in place so that you're not tempted. And right, right. if you're going to, to use some of it, you're not going to waste it. Yep. You're going to use a small part of it and enjoy it. But a bulk of it, like you said, 90% of it should go toward meeting that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to write that down before it comes. So if you know that you have a tax refund coming or some kind of bonus at work, before that comes, you need to write it down in your head that, hey, 90% of this is going to go towards debt and be ready in advance. Because as soon as the check arrives, you're going to get real excited and think of other things you want to do with it. So before that money comes, make the plan and say, okay, here, here's what we're going to do with it. Aggressively, we're going to attack debt. Yeah, that's good. So the sixth thing that you should do is you should consider student loan forgiveness programs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really cool that these even exist, but right. I also know that it's difficult to uh, activate and use them. So you need to have a plan in place. Uh, you should consider it. You should look at it. If you've got private loans, that would be from a corporate bank or from other lenders, then there's not going to be a forgiveness program. So you want to knock out those private loans first. Usually private loans uh, are more likely to have a variable interest rate. And so getting rid of those private loans can be really, really good to focus on that first. Uh, because if you do have a forgiveness loan option with some of your federal loans, uh, then that could be a really cool bonus after so many years to see that debt just disappear. Yeah. Uh, so here's a few of the most well-known programs. There's the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. It's available if you work for the government or a nonprofit. And it doesn't matter what your job is. You just have to be working for the government or a nonprofit. Right. So how cool is that? You could look up Public uh, Service Loan Forgiveness Program. The second is the Stafford Loan Forgiveness Program. Uh, this is for teachers and professionals who are working at nonprofit and public schools, and they've dedicated their life to serving the community, to serving people, to serving through education. And so there can be a loan forgiveness program through that Stafford program. Uh, the next is the Perkins Loan Cancellation, and it's for certain public servants. Uh, some teachers, some law officers, military, medical providers like EMTs, nurses, doctors, and some firefighters. Uh, but you must service low-income families mm -hmm. or special needs students or teach a subject where there's a shortage of qualified teachers. So if you're going to consider one of these programs, you need to know all the details of that program. Yeah. You really need to read the fine print. Uh, if you are already planning to teach at a nonprofit or a public school, then you might qualify for one of these programs, and it would be really, really wise for you to look into it. Um, there's also state-sponsored student loan forgiveness programs. Uh, so if you teach in an area where there's a high need of teachers and the students are struggling, low income, uh, there's some subjects like maybe math or science where they really need teachers, uh, you should learn more. Go ahead and check out the American Federation of Teachers Loan Forgiveness and funding opportunities database. So we'll put that in the show notes, but it's the American Federation of Teachers Loan Forgiveness and Funding Opportunities database. Uh, they certainly chose a long name, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> they sure did. Well, I just love the fact that these are available. I remember you and I did a, a workshop a while back, and one of the students was working for a nonprofit, and they didn't know that this was available. 
Nobody had ever told them. They had never came across the information. So when we started talking about it in that workshop, she went back and looked and realized, I've worked 10 years for a nonprofit. Yeah. So my student loan, I can just have it forgiven. And sure enough- It was she, unbelievable. Yeah, she contacted the, the loan provider, worked out the details, fill out whatever forms you need to fill out. And literally within a couple of weeks, her debt was gone. I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah. So that's why we mentioned it here. We want you to know that these are available, but if you're just graduating and you, you're still in that grace period, maybe six months to right, a year before you right. make payments, you may consider that, hey, if I work in a low-income area where there's a need for teachers, if I work in certain type of industries or enter into some of these um, qualifications uh, and, and meet those qualifications, I should say, then you could have a significant amount of your student loan forgiven. Yeah. And at the same time, you're building that experience, the thing we talked about earlier. Right. You're paying your dues. And why not get benefited from it in this amazing way by having yeah. your debt forgiven? So I love that. Yeah. You're serving people that are in need. You're serving the state. You're serving the country. You're helping mm -hmm. people. And you have the opportunity to have some of your student loans forgiven. I think it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, there's also things like the Nurse Corps that offers scholarships and loan forgiveness to nursing students. Um, and so it's corps. It's like C-O-R-P-S, Nurse Corps. And but not corpse, but core. <laughs> so faculty uh, and nurses and anybody that's working in a high need area, mm -hmm. uh, there can be some student loan forgiveness programs for nurses as well as teachers as well as uh, law officers. So look into your specific area. And I remember, I remember that young lady that did that program. Mm -hmm. And was just blown away because nobody ever told her. Yeah. And she had already qualified. And so it was a huge, huge benefit to knocking out all of her debt. Uh, it was a big piece was moving out of the student loans. That was cool. Now, one of the things that you have to recognize is that the forgiveness typically requires paying loans for a certain period of time. So you don't just go not paying for 10 years or whatever, and then it's forgiven. You are actually making payments. The Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program wipes out your remaining balance after you pay your loans for at least 10 years or make 120 payments. So you must work full-time for an eligible public service or a nonprofit employer, but it doesn't have to be consecutive years of service. For instance, if you leave public service for some years and eventually return to an eligible employer, your previous qualifying payments will count toward the forgiveness requirements of 120 payments. Yeah. And what's really neat about that is that it does give you that flexibility to say, hey, I served in this area for four or five years. For whatever reason, you feel like I need to step out of this and, and maybe get experience somewhere else. But then if you go back into it or you go into it two or three times over that period of time, you could still benefit from it. And really, honestly, depends on the amount of student loan that you have. I'm thinking doctors. I'm thinking oh, yeah. you know, people that have to work many years to get to the point where they have their own practice and they're really getting the kind of income that they were hoping for when they first thought about even getting into of the course. field. And why not get into these kind of situations where you're doing some good in areas that are really needed, right? Because most doctors want to come out of you know their internship program and their whatever. Um, yeah, their residence. Their residence, and, exactly. Yep. And they want to start making that two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But in reality, that that's not going to happen anyway. You're going to have to put in several years to prove yourself that you you know and be trusted to practice medicine at that level, which is great. I love that. I, I want my doctor to be well, uh, yeah, well trained, well -trained well and experienced yeah. in what he's, he or she is doing. But this gives you that option to be able to have this loan forgiven. And for these people, I think especially yeah. would be a real benefit. Now, here's the other thing that you have to consider. If you're making these payments and you're thinking, I'm going to work toward having these loans forgiven, 
then it makes sense to make a lower payment. Yeah. Right? Because you really are going to be committed to saying, I'm going to put in 120 payments or 10 years worth of work in this field in order to have this forgiven. So if you have, let's say, $200,000, $250,000 worth of student loans, and you can have small payments and make those payments over those 120 payment yeah. period, it makes sense. But you have to remember, if you're going to do that, then you have to commit to that. Right. You can't say five years down the road, oh, okay, so I guess not. I guess I'll go into a different direction. Yeah. Because now you've spent five years allowing that interest to grow, making very small payments, even deferring payments, and uh, it's it's just not going to work out financially for you. Right. So make sure you're you're really thinking through whether you want to do that. Yeah, we want you to be freed up to pursue your true life's purpose. And so that's the reason we want you out of this debt and if instead of paying off the debt, you choose to do a 10-year service program in something that you don't love, then you're just as shackled as you were with the debt. So, so if this is a 10-year payoff plan, uh, I would almost encourage you to go into a place of doing something you don't love. I would encourage you to go to a place where you do something you do love, mm -hmm. aggressively attack this debt, oh, yeah. and, oh, and yeah. ignore the, the forgiveness program. Yeah. So you have to be wise about this. If it's going to take you 10 years, for, for some people, it's a no-brainer. They already wanted to work in an area of high need, of education, of nursing, of law enforcement, and they're going to be serving the community they wanted to serve, so they're freed up to pursue their true life's purpose, and they have their debt forgiven, for some people, it's just not going to make sense. So you've got to sit down and go through this, because we don't want you shackled to a program for 10 years if that's not what you're passionate about and what you were created to do. Yeah. Um, so some of these things take 10 years, 120 payments. With the teacher's program, sometimes it only takes five consecutive years of work. Right. Uh, that's pretty cool in five years, uh, unless maybe you're deployed for military service or you have a medical leave. Uh, in five years, you can knock it out pretty quickly, have that loan forgiven. Uh, so that's usually in the teacher programs, in the public service program, it typically takes 10 years. But you can have any amount of student loans forgiven. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's say that you got $200,000 in student loans while you're getting an education degree, which I don't recommend. But let's say that happened, then you might look at that public service program and say, okay, 200000 it would take me 20 years to pay that off. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a house at that point. And so then you're saying, maybe this 10-year program makes a ton of sense for me, and it's the best way to go about. You're still going to have to make those minimum payments, right. so you're not going to have all 200000 forgiven. You may only have 150 forgiven or 100 forgiven. But whatever the number is, you get that forgiven, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Well, David, I think what's important for our audience to understand is that there are amount of forgiven student loan debt that varies by the program. Yeah. So it's important that you look at this and really count the cost of what it's going to actually do for you personally. And you have to realize that if it is 10 years and you are serving for 10 years in an area that maybe is not your first choice or it may be your first choice, what regardless of what it is, you just really need to look at these programs and realize that it's, it's not going to be easy. You're still going to have to pay something, right? We talked about nothing's for free in the other episode. And I think it, it's important for people not to walk away from this and saying, oh, I just need to go that route. Why would I pay if, I, if somebody can forgive it for me? Right. You're still going to pay somehow. So it's really not free. <laughs> right. Um, but this may be a way that if you're really thinking, hey, if I serve five years in, let's say, as a teacher— in a low-income area where there's a huge need for math teachers, and I can have my student loan forgiven, and that student loan is at you know forty thousand dollars, then it may make sense for you to do that. On the other hand, if you're working somewhere else where you're making more pay, you can pay off that loan much quicker by working in an area where you're making more pay. So 
just do the math, understand that there are both benefits and also uh, consequences to that, but it could be the right thing for you. So that's what right. we're really encouraging you right. to do is to look at it, understand that it's not 100%, depending on what kind of loan or what kind of program you're getting into. So it's really important to just look at all the variables, but realize that it's out there and it may be a benefit to you. Yeah. And it's one of the options we want to touch on. And if you choose to do one of these programs, uh, make sure that you have it in writing from that program. Talk mm -hmm. to one of the representatives from that program. Get an email from them with exactly what you need to have done. Make sure you print out the paper. You highlight each bullet point so you know exactly what the requirements are. Mm -hmm. um, realize that a lot of these programs are set up through the federal government or the Department of Education and that the government is not known <laughs> for doing things with excellence all the time. The government is not known for always doing the right thing. And sometimes if you just miss one little bullet point of maybe you didn't fill out the paperwork in time, maybe you thought you were in the program, but they never added you to the program, even though you did all the right qualifications, sometimes as a large bureaucracy, they can just say, no, you didn't fulfill the requirements even though you thought you did. Even though on paper you did everything right, there's one little thing you missed. And so it, realize you're working with the government. So you have to have all this, as much as you can, the data from them, keep it in a folder, uh, highlight what you've done, stay in communication with that program, and make sure that when that 10 years is done or that five years is done, you're going to be one of the people that actually gets their loan forgiven uh, because there was in the news uh, some major issues with people who had done everything right except for they were two days late in turning in the paperwork or they had forgotten to yeah. check one box and they didn't get their loans paid off uh, until a lot of people complained and the news picked up the story and it went all the way up to the top of the Department of Education, but it took an extra year and a half. And so for a year and a half, people didn't know if their loan was actually going to get removed and, uh, and it caused some real issues. So just be ready, have that strategy in place and plan. Be responsible. Make sure that you're looking at everything. That's really what we're saying is it is your responsibility to make sure that everything that you're pursuing is either in writing that you have actual factual information that's going to help you to achieve this goal, whatever it is, whether it's to pay off the student loans, refinance your student loans, or, or whatever it is that you're doing. You have to make sure that you understand these things. Well, we want to thank you for being part of our show today. And just thank you that you allow us each week to come in uh, to your living room, into your dining room, into your car, wherever you listen, and allow us to really share our heart for personal finances and help you to achieve more success in this area of your life. We are grateful that you continue to listen, and we just want to say thank you. Yes. But also want to say continue to share with others what you're learning and also share our podcast. Let them know, hey, I'm listening to podcasts. It's really cool. I'm learning a lot from it. And just realize that there's people out there, many people out there that do not know how to do this stuff. So as you learn it, please either share with them directly or just tell them, listen to Getting Money Right. You're going to learn a ton. Yeah, that's right. Text your brother, text your sister, text your best friend and say, hey, check out this episode of Getting Money Right and share it. Um, I would also encourage you to check out leosabo.com. Uh, go to the podcast section and look at everything that's there, all the resources. You can download the show notes. You mm -hmm. can look at um, what we've talked about, find the hyperlinks to different areas. There's a debt snowball on there. Uh, you've got the budgeting tool on there. And then jump over to stewardship 
pastors.com. That's my website. Check out the book, Jesus on Money, that's coming soon. Uh, you can even look there under our team and see the stewardship ministry pictures. And you can see all over the world the people that we're sharing financial principles with. Uh, of course, at stewardshippastors.com, we're doing that through the lens of the Bible. And so you're going to see that with Jesus on Money. Everything is related back to Scripture. But it's really cool to see the people's lives who are impacted. So you'll see a lot of cool pictures on there. You can look at our team and see what we're doing with that. And then just check out the book, Jesus on Money. Uh, it's coming out soon. So pre-order five copies, not one copy, pre-order five copies, and then share a copy with your friend, uh, the options on there. And I appreciate you doing that. Well, again, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. That's what we're talking about. It's time for you to make that decision. Maybe you're not able to live with your family anymore, but that means you get two or three people into an apartment and you've got some roommates and it causes your expenses to be way lower so you can attack this debt.